Whether gender plays a role in the experience of worship. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Cain in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. I'm going to do something I rarely do in the Walk the Earth series. In fact, a couple of things. First, I'm going to answer the question right up front from my perspective and not deal with any of the give and take or explore the issues before I provide an answer. I do not believe that gender plays any role in the experience of worship, aside from the fact that each individual believer has a different experience of worship. So I think that, on the one hand, you can certainly find easy anecdotal evidence that the role that a woman may play in the church is different from the role that a man may play in the church. But that's also consistent with the fact that the role a woman may play in the church is going to differ from other women as well. And the role that a man may play in the church is going to differ from other men. In other words, I think the answer to this question is no. And it's no predominantly because I do not believe that the Holy Spirit is leading me. And I don't believe that Jesus left us a church where 50 to 52% of the people who are part of our society are unwilling or unable or are not allowed to contribute directly. And the numbers are even more stark than that. If you look in your average Protestant church today, you're going to find that the 50-50 blend in our society is not what the church looks like. The church is probably, from an attendance perspective, in many congregations, more female than male. Part of this is that the church itself is aging. There's a lot more older parishioners, and women outlive men, on average, still true. Therefore, you're going to have more elderly women in the church than elderly men in the church. But I think you really see this across the board, that at some point there's no stigma about a woman going to church every Sunday, and there's perhaps a slight stigma for a man who goes to church every Sunday. There's perhaps even a level of baseline homophobia that you might find within the church where men might be a little bit uncomfortable being too open, freely uh, proclaiming how much they love another man, how much they are serving Jesus as master. Some of that language may not be something that your average man is as comfortable with as maybe your average woman. I think the story is that all of us yield to the headship of Jesus Christ, that we're all following Christ as Christians. And that's true for both men and women. Therefore, in my church search, I'm very carefully watching for anything that would give me an indication that my wife would be marginalized in this church that any of my female friends would be marginalized, or that my daughter's ability to participate in ministry would be viewed as different, or perhaps even suspect, compared to my son's ability to participate in ministry. Let me offer a quote that I've shared on the Inappropriate Conversations page, www.inappropriateconversations.org, is where the shows for both Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth are posted, And I'm going to tie it back to inappropriate conversations here in a minute. But I wanted to look back to a post from July 20th of this year, uh, quoting Dr. Roger Lee Ray, who has this to say. 
If your church says you have to be male to preach, then that church has a fundamental misunderstanding of the role of genitalia in the writing and delivery of sermons. That is perhaps the point of view that I think is the right answer to this question of whether gender plays a role. And what I mean is, whether gender plays a proscriptive role, are women allowed to teach Sunday school? And I'm not just talking about kids in Sunday school, but adult Sunday school courses. Are women allowed to be lay speakers, giving the message on a Sunday morning? What role are women permitted to have in the administration of sacraments? These are the things that I've been looking for. And some of it shows up in really obvious ways. I'll, I'll cite a couple of those. Some of them are more subtle. And some of them, as I've walked the earth, have really surprised me. There's something I'm not going to do in this particular episode, because I'm not going to do it in the Walk the Earth show. Or at least at this point, it's not my plan. I'm not going to dive into a theological exploration of what the Bible really says and what it means in this context. That's an inappropriate conversations type approach. So for the first time ever, I'm going to bring inappropriate conversations and walk the earth in back-to-back episodes to the same subject matter. And I think it'll be interesting. I know it's been an interesting journey for me just planning for this. And it may be interesting to hear just what's the difference between the two. Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations are both Greg. It's an audio blog format. There's not too many things that are distinct. I don't spend a lot of time on Walk the Earth doing promotions. I don't have promotional clips for other podcasts that I enjoy listening to. If I mention that you can listen to Walk the Earth, just like Inappropriate Conversations on Stitcher, Stitcher Smart Radio at www.stitcher.com, that's probably the first time I've done that, too. And it's going to be a rare thing that I call it out on Walk the Earth. It's obvious in some ways. I'm using the same feed for both shows. Therefore, anything that shows up from Inappropriate Conversations on Stitcher, you're likewise going to find the Walk the Earth episodes right there as well. And I don't know to what degree I'm talking to two audiences. I know that there are subtle differences in the statistics between Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations, but that could be timing. There could be other factors explaining that. But if you're somebody who's listening to Walk the Earth who hasn't really listened to Inappropriate Conversations, this may be an interesting place to dabble, because the next episode I put on the feed will be an Inappropriate Conversations show, and it's going to deal with this exact same question. Except on that show... I'm going to dive in a little bit to scripture from a theological perspective and talk about what it is that some Protestant Christians believe. At a high level, what is the Catholic position on this matter of the role of women in the church? Why are there no women priests? Why do some churches not ordain women at all? Why do others ordain women, but they can't be bishops? All those questions, I'm going to deal with that from a theological perspective in inappropriate conversations, probably within a week if things go well. For this one, I want to stay focused, as Walk the Earth always has, on what for me is the topic at hand. I'm between churches. We have left a church that was no longer capable of ministering to our needs as a family, and in no small part because that church had lost the will or the desire to minister to the needs of the greater community. It was, as a church, functioning in such a way that a ton of its resources and a ton of its time was devoted inwardly, doing nothing more than paying its bills, sustaining its building. The biggest controversy that I experienced was over questions of staffing or questions of 
decorating, if you moved furniture around, if you if you redecorated a room, if you you know painted the walls of one of the children's Sunday school classes, you could find yourself on the receiving end of of a very strong talking to. But if it had been quite some time since we had actually done like uh, a walk for hunger, well, no one was quite as upset about that, or so it seemed. So we've gone off on a journey to look for other churches. One of the things that I was concerned about, theologically, at the church that we left, it had not yet become an issue, but we'd heard rumblings. There were things that were said that were concerning. There were, for example, people who seemed to question whether or not one of the women in our church who would occasionally cover the pulpit and do lay speaking, whether that was appropriate. I never knew whether it was because she wasn't a certified lay speaker and wasn't part of the Methodist Church's lay speaker program, which had plenty of women in it, or whether it was a gender-based thing. I never really knew. At some point, the Bible study that I had participated in split by gender. Now, I had nothing to do with that. I had uh, since had work commitments that had kept me away. We'd reached the end of a particular section or chapter we were doing. We took a break, and I didn't go back. But when the Bible studies restarted on that night, they started with a men's group and a women's group separate from each other. I've never been comfortable with that. If I'm going to attend a Bible study and my wife is able to go with me, I want her to be right there with me. I want to hear what she has to say. I want her to hear what I'm hearing so that if I hear something wrong or misinterpret either what the Bible says when we're reading it or what someone else is saying about what the Bible says, it's her perspective that I trust more than anybody else in the world. Why would I not want to have her part of the process of my learning and my growth and my development? But there are people who, in some cases, for perhaps good reason, feel like it's better if there's a gender divide. I've never really been that person. Anybody who has recent recommendations from me gone out to Simply Syndicated at www.simplysyndicated.com and clicked on the show called Tech Support Rich, there is an inappropriate conversations interview out there. I think it might be the seventh Tech Support Rich show. And although you have to pay a little bit to download the show or subscribe to the website and get all their content for free, there's a couple places in that interview where I talk a little bit about my sense of gender and the fact that I've always had female friends and I've always learned a great deal from my female friends. And I think that helps explain some of the detail that I provide in that conversation elsewhere. Helps explain a little bit about why I view warily anybody who says that you shouldn't be speaking to that person. And that kind of gets me back to, well, where have we been from a church perspective? On the question of gender, there are really three church experiences that I could probably mention. One of them is a non-denominational church. It's one of the churches that some people in our small group have already, I think they've already joined. They're certainly committed to that church. And that church, in some cases, has this split Bible study gender thing going on. It may have been why some friends of mine felt comfortable just sort of connecting in with that congregation, because in some ways it did feel similar to the congregation that the, both of our families had left. But even the churches that are mixed gender have had an interesting dynamic, because as my friend describes it, the person leading their Sunday school class is a retired Baptist pastor. So I want to talk a little bit about that non-denominational church and its retired Baptist pastor. Our one experience in a Baptist church during this church hunt 
To be fair, to be completely honest, Southern Baptist in particular was not on our list of things that we needed to consider when we were switching churches. I think anyone who's listened to any of the inappropriate conversations shows, probably has a good sense, that as a political moderate, and a very intense political moderate, I wasn't going to really fit in in the political conservative atmosphere of a Southern Baptist church. But I'll talk a little bit about Baptists as well. And then I want to talk about Lutheran and what our experience was there, because our experience there was by and large positive. In fact, I think I could probably describe each one of these experiences with questions of gender as churches where the experience was better than the one before, and yet each one of them raising a flag, making me a little bit concerned, because I do absolutely accept the tenet that regardless what Paul may have instructed a specific church in Corinth or a young pastor going out to do ministry in a particular geographical area, whether it be Timothy or Titus, this concept that if your church thinks you have to be male to preach, then the church doesn't understand the role that genitals play in writing or delivering sermons or leading in prayer, that theoretically that your genitalia should be in some ways really far away (laughs) from the administration of sacraments and that mixing them in any way is fairly inappropriate or perhaps even extremely inappropriate. So with that being my bias coming in, my friend told me that at this particular Sunday school class, the retired Baptist pastor who was leading it essentially said that even though he personally as a pastor has learned a lot from his wife and his wife probably knows as much or more about the Bible as he does and in many ways has been instrumental in in his personal growth and understanding of the scripture If anything were to happen to him that were to render him incapacitated and unable to lead the class, that she would not be allowed to step in, that she would voluntarily say she's not allowed to step in, that there's a passage of scripture that they interpret as saying women are not allowed to speak in church, they're not allowed to lead men in church, they're not allowed to have a position of authority over men, and therefore if the class simply had to dissolve and all of its members spread out into other classrooms or make other arrangements during the Sunday school hour, then that would be the way it had to be. Because that, in my opinion, legalistic understanding is viewed in this case as proscriptive rather than descriptive. And to me, that's that's led to a lot of very ugly things. I'll share one story now that I'll probably share again in the Inappropriate Conversation show about a young seminary student, female, showing up to deliver her first sermon and having none of the men in her class attend class that day. That a class that is designed for you to write and present a sermon and get the criticism and the feedback from your fellow classmates, she didn't have any male classmates in the room. Because their interpretation of a couple of passages of scripture meant that they didn't probably didn't respect her opinion when she offered feedback on sermons they presented. And they didn't feel like it was their job or maybe even appropriate for them to be in the room while she was preaching that in their minds she must have been there to prepare herself to be giving sermons at an all-girls school or something because clearly they were that far away from conceiving of her as a woman leading a church as a pastor and speaking to a congregation filled with people of all genders all ages all races and all creeds i haven't gotten to races yet And I haven't gotten to creeds yet. We'll see if there's a future Walk the Earth that talks about some of those topics. There is a church that we've been attending a little bit more regularly now, where there is, again, that variety of ages, but also a variety of races. And certainly women are allowed to speak 
in that church. In fact, the last two Sundays, the pastor has been on vacation, and women have come in and stepped up to deliver the message. The week before that, we attended an Episcopal church, where one of the better sermons I've heard during this entire church search was presented by a woman to that Episcopal congregation. Lightning doesn't strike, and the world doesn't come to an end. If someone who has a perspective that is unique and different to mine shares with me something that I could not hear in any other way, I've described not just women, but also most likely people who've had a different faith journey, who've learned under different creeds, been from different races, grown up in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, and yet somehow some congregations, some Sunday school teachers, for example, have identified that only half the people in this Sunday school could ever be considered as a substitute leader in any given Sunday if something were to happen to him. Shortly after we visited that non-denominational church, for the one and only time, we went with my son, and really the whole family, but it was my son sort of leading this one. This was the church that, that he had picked to a Baptist church. It was a good 40 minutes away, 30 minutes away by car. So it was one of the churches that we visited where there was very little chance that we would actually be joining in any way. It was literally just a visit because my son had some friends and it was uh, two families getting together and enjoying time of church. I'm going to refer to this church again, maybe even in the next Walk the Earth, because the way they manage rituals and sacraments is very different. You would think, perhaps, as an outsider, as somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time in Protestant Christian churches, that Protestantism is as monolithic and consistent as Catholicism. And you couldn't be more wrong if you thought that. The idea behind Roman Catholicism is that there needs to be a consistency place to place, and that too much variation could be problematic, if not for a bishop, for somebody senior to the bishop, that there is a a harmony of experience. There is a way to do things, like administering the sacraments, like the Mass. But in the Protestant churches, you see a big variety, and I'll talk about that in a week or so, which is why as I go from one Protestant church to another, walking the earth with my wife and sometimes one or both of our kids, you don't know what you're going to get. You might come into a church and find out that, yeah, there really is a divide here, that, that this church, either on this particular Sunday or as a rule, has no female participation whatsoever, or the women are serving coffee, but that's about it. And I'm alert to that. To me, that's a red flag. In the Baptist church that we visited, there wasn't much direct role for women in the worship service. Uh, there was uh, you know, women in the choir, women musicians, uh, the organist may or may not have been a woman. I'm it's been many months since we had this one experience. But there was a baptism that day, and it was one of the male elders who did the baptism. The entire worship service, by and large, from the scripture reading to the message, was handled by the head pastor, who was a male. And you just got the impression, based on what I know about Baptist traditions, that it was not impossible, but relatively unlikely that the church we were going to visit was going to have a female pastor, and seemed unlikely that in this particular church at any future time there would be a female pastor. But at the same time, it was a really nice experience. It was an excellent worship service. The people were friendly. It didn't feel like there was that same divide of men and women going to their own classrooms for either Bible study or Sunday school. It seemed like there was... There was a co-parenting sort of both genders involved in leading the youth group, if the youth was going to be going on a trip, for example. And 
So I, I left there with a pretty good feeling. It was better again than the one where I was getting a strong vibe that either there was going to be segregated by gender small groups, or if the groups were together, there was, at least in some cases, this very clear and rigid pecking order based on a legalistic reading of Scripture. Now, I realize legalistic readings of Scriptures are all too common, frankly. Uh, more common now than perhaps any other time in my life, as a matter of fact. But it still always surprises me, because it's very strange for people who are Christians, who follow Jesus, who should pay maybe special attention to the Gospels, and certainly in the New Testament. How could you read the letters of Paul and take them at all seriously, and replace the legalism of the Old Testament with a brand new legalism of the New Testament? And how could you read Paul at all and not at least abandon the legalism of the Old Testament? And yet there we were. In other cases, though, you almost have to attend more than once and participate a little bit more deeply to find out if there's going to be an issue. I haven't been asked this in quite some time, but somebody could ask me at any point, why are you still walking the earth? It's been four, five, six months. Certainly you should have attached to something by now. And of course, people who've listened to the shows all the way through know that I spent more than a year in the past before I actually joined a church. And I'm very careful and cautious because at the end of the day, you're giving financial support. You're giving money to people that you want to be aligned with you and in league with you in doing ministry. It's kind of important to know what they're about and how that money might be spent. So I'm going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to visit a lot of places because you can't just go one time to a handful of different churches that are quote unquote nearby and decide the one that you liked the best based on an emotional response to one experience. And the example of that that I would use is one of the churches that we attached ourselves to early on and visited a couple of additional times because we really enjoyed what was going on there. We felt like from a worship perspective, it was as close as we've seen to what we really want. Closer still, in my opinion, than anything else I've seen to what I really want from the experience of worship. But at one point... It became taxing to me to realize that I wasn't really going to be able to find out how their Sunday school went, because the worship service that we liked the best overlapped with the Sunday school hour. I talked about that in the last Walk the Earth episode, about small groups, and what does it mean if the church you are thinking about joining is going to force you to do small groups differently, or perhaps cut you off completely from that Sunday school hour. So we didn't get that sense of, well, how do they manage things like Bible studies and all that? But I did decide that if the opportunity arised, we would do some outreach together. And sure enough, in the small city where they're based, that congregation is in a city very near mine. It's not the city I live in, but it's the one right next to it. They have a food bank that's local, and they were doing a fundraiser for that particular local community food bank. And as you know, people who know much about America in general, and certainly the Rust Belt part of America, unemployment is something that we're still feeling. What happened around 2008, to the economy, worldwide really, but to the economy here locally, still being felt. There was a point in time around 2008, maybe early 2009, where one of the local high schools in this area posted a position for a janitor, and 90-plus people applied, including people with not just bachelor's degrees, but advanced degrees, master's degrees, people who'd had 25, 35 years of career in other industries or in office environments, were unemployed to such an extent and desperate to such an extent 
that picking up a mop and picking up a broom and working at the local high school was not just a good idea, but a good idea for like 25, 30 times the normal amount of applicants you'd expect for a position. So food bank, a really important part of the community. And having the ability to buy some tickets and go to a fundraising event and share in fellowship with like-minded Christians, that really appealed to me. The one thing I didn't want to do, though, was participate in that event with the church that we'd left. So we assumed that the church that we were visiting is probably the group that we would sit with, even though, by and large, we were strangers to everybody. I mean, it's one of the things that's been a little bit taxing for some of the members of my family, is that for years and years we were going to a place where we knew almost everybody, and now for several weeks we've been going to places where we don't know very many people at all. In some cases we go in and we don't know anybody at all. And so in this case, my wife and my daughter went with me, and we decided that what we would do is we would find a place and sit with the church from whom we bought the ticket because we probably visited more than one of the churches that were participating in that event. It just made sense that if you bought the dinner ticket with that church, that you should sit with them. Well, work, as it often does, makes it unpredictable for me when I'm going to get home. So this event started about 20 minutes earlier than when I would normally be able to get home, even if I was very determined, left right on time, was very alert and very you know strategic in how I managed the traffic. But I didn't get out as quickly as I normally would have liked, and I ran into traffic problems on top of that. And there ended up being more than a 20-25 minute gap between when my wife and daughter got to this dinner that was being served and when I showed up. My wife and daughter ended up being seated with the pastor and another elder member of the congregation that we'd visited a few times, and no one else came to sit. It was as if Things were filling up pretty quickly, but once that table got four people in it, that was about the end of it. Now, my wife was okay with that because it meant that there was no problem holding on to a seat for me. But the funny thing was, according to my wife and daughter, the entire time, that 20, 25 minutes that went by, that they were seated at the table at this event, uh, talking to, well, not talking to, but sitting near the pastor from whom they'd actually purchased the tickets. No conversation happened. I showed up, again, almost 30 minutes late, sat down, and immediately the conversation that had been just between these two gentlemen suddenly turned and focused on my family, but only at the point in time that I'd arrived. This is an interesting dilemma for me, because I hadn't seen this in other aspects of this congregation's life, and the way they manage their small groups, the way they manage their Sunday order of worship. I just hadn't seen it before. So I was wondering, well, could this be a situation where this particular pastor or this denomination had encountered scandals in the past? I can certainly see a pastor who also does counseling being very careful to not be counseling women alone in his office and having some boundaries there and having some rules in terms of the kinds of rumor and innuendo that can strike if you're behind closed doors with a woman. But this was a public place with a couple of hundred extra people, maybe more, all uh, sitting in round tables, listening to people talk about the food bank and its process and its, its financial status and its hopes for the future. And so when I showed up to sit down, that dynamic immediately snapped and changed in a way that it wasn't, didn't feel like a pastor protecting himself from accusations of impropriety. There would, there wouldn't have been accusations of impropriety unless this particular pastor or his denomination 
had rules about whether women should be speaking in public or whether the pastor was allowed to speak to women or what. Because when I sat down, the dynamic immediately changed. And that makes me just as uncomfortable as somebody who says, no, I've got a set of rules and I'm going to follow them. Not understanding, not really knowing what happened there. Was it just a happenstance event? Was it just a a momentary lapse of courtesy? It's hard to say. But I've got to be honest in that I haven't been all that interested in energetically pursuing it further. Because there are other churches that we've gone to that we've enjoyed. There's a church that's led by a female pastor who I've worked in ministry before, my wife has worked in ministry with before, that I don't personally feel a bit of a, of a mentor relationship with. If Linda had something to say to me, I would listen to her. Certainly have no problem attending the church that she leads as a pastor. The worship service that we attended where she was giving the message was, again, everything I would have expected. Wasn't perhaps the the best sermon I've heard out of the lot, but again, another example of a female pastor reading the Word of God, delivering a sermon, and doing so in such a way that it had a bigger impact on me than the sermons that I'd heard in other Methodist churches. Because this is one of those examples of me going to different churches in the same denomination that I've been going to before. It's not that I haven't given the denomination of the church that we left a fair chance. I certainly have. But watching for this gender thing requires multiple visits and a lot of careful attention. Because my personal perspective is that despite the legalistic terminology you may hear, from Paul in particular, there's absolutely no doubt that in Scripture, Paul and Jesus did things that were extremely controversial for their day. Had they spoken out and paved the way toward full gender equality? No. And that's, of course, part of the problem, because people can use the words of Paul to be read as women are not allowed to do this and women are not allowed to do that. And yet, in the way Paul conducted himself, he was engaging in ministry with both men and women, and he was sending both men and women into leadership positions within the church, and beyond the walls of the church. And there's no evidence that he you know, sent women to be in leadership positions in Christian education or in other forms of ministry where Paul had an expectation that they would only be reaching out and ministering to other women or just to children. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Jesus, it makes very clear in the Gospel, especially the Gospel of Luke, that he had women who were part of his group of followers actively participating, in some cases financially supporting him and his group of followers. So although the 12 disciples were all male, it's incorrect, probably even naive, to read the New Testament and come away with the notion that Jesus had some sort of strict gender divide. So to me, any church that maintains a strict gender divide isn't doing it Jesus' way. Anybody who does what Paul says rather than what Paul does, is making the same mistake that any child has heard their parents explain to them many, many times. We need to follow the example of people. And the do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do mentality is a mistake. It's a crutch. From a parental perspective, it's as bad as, because I said so. Now, I'm not saying that if a parent makes a mistake and misbehaves, that the child then has carte blanche to do all the same things wrong. I just think it needs more conversation when a child 
finds a parent has done something that goes directly against everything that the parent has taught. And that's sort of the situation that I'm in now, being very comfortable with what Scripture says, and equally comfortable listening to what women in the church have to say, worshiping side by side with women. I'm even comfortable being in accountability situations with women. And I think that's probably where a lot of people draw the line. When I've been in activities that bring multiple congregations together, doing outreach, doing retreats, and so forth, you tend to see this men's weekend and women's weekend concept. And on some level, that probably makes sense. You've got a single facility that you're using, and it's just that much easier if you have one gender trying to occupy both bathrooms. So you sort of, for the weekend that it's the men's weekend, you ignore the men's and women's room divide and use all the showers you can and use all the toilet stalls that you can. And, you know, cohabitation is not an issue because all the rooms are going to have men in them. I understand that. And I, I also would be very patient and understand that if a man was seeking a small group, particularly an accountability group, what John Wesley might have called a band I can see specific situations and circumstances where getting that accountability from somebody of the same gender would be of a particular advantage, that there are certain temptations that men are more likely to face in a similar way than men and women. And likewise, certain situations and temptations and struggles that women and women could be much more supportive of each other around. But my own personal experience, my own personal walk... And what the Holy Spirit has done in my life has made it very clear to me that there is also an accountability that is possible between men and women across that gender divide that can't be provided along gender lines. So I guess I function here as if there's no rules. I know that Jesus spent time with Mary and Martha in the Gospels, not just Lazarus. They were all part of one family, but... He was ministering directly to all three of them. So there's no rule that says that Jesus isn't allowed to talk to women, or that women aren't allowed to ask Jesus questions, or that Paul can't deal with both Priscilla and Aquila, that he can't have women playing an active role in ministry. And so I find very suspect any church that communicates the opposite idea of what I'm finding described in the gospel in the actions of of the believers, both the early church and Jesus and his disciples. So I've mentioned three churches. One that at least has some programs that segregate, and other programs where there's a classroom hierarchy that puts men in charge of women. I described another one where the denomination functions that way, and the worship service that I observed functioned that way, but it didn't seem to be quite as rigid. And then another one where the Protestant church service was very open. Uh, Their sense of social justice was high enough to make me interested in continuing to participate, uh, very seriously considering membership. But then we encountered a situation where there seemed to be a, a difference in the level of respect provided to my wife than to me. And my job as a person, who whether I wanted it or not, was experiencing a living example of male privilege, is to reject that privilege. It's very hard for the woman in that situation to assert her rights, at least compared to how easy it is for me to insist that those rights be respected. So as I'm walking the earth, I'm looking for situations where ministry is unbound, where there's nothing from a rules perspective holding us back. 
I told a friend of mine at work that what I'm looking for is a church that wants to be in ministry as actively as possible with as many people as humanly possible. That doesn't have any rules that says, because you're not married, you're not allowed to participate in this program. Or, because you're a woman, you're not allowed to stand up and speak on Sundays during worship service. Or because your sexual orientation is different from mine, you're not allowed to join us in worship, or you're not allowed to become members of the church. Or if you become members of the church, you're not allowed to sing in the choir. I want none of those rules. I want the Holy Spirit to lead us without us getting in the way. And the number one thing that I've seen that has gotten in the way of the Holy Spirit being completely free to do whatever the Lord may have in mind inside these churches is the question of a gender divide. If and as you are led, please join me in prayer. Our Father, I'm noting at this time of prayer how ironic it is that I'm using the male pronoun that we typically use for you, God, to raise my concerns about what you have in mind for me and my family and the church local and the church universal when it comes to the relationships between men and women and the ministry that you'd like for us to do. Lord, you've placed in my heart, firmly and really unmistakably, a conviction. There are things that you would like your children, both brothers and sisters, to do in ministry together. Lord, I acknowledge and I am listening for those times when what you've called me to do is something that I need to do only with other men. Or what you've called my wife to do, she needs to do only with other women. But Lord, Protect me from the sin, from the crutch, from the fear, and from the laziness of presuming that's always what you want without bothering to ask you. So, Lord, today I'm asking you, if I don't remember to listen for your will, if I'm not consistent enough in asking what you would have me do, then remind me. Remind me, dear Lord that some of the most important direction I've received in my spiritual journey came from women. And Lord, I believe with all my heart that you don't want me in a situation where that kind of guidance across the gender lines could never happen again. Lord, help me find a church where I can worship you as freely as someone who doesn't have to fear rules about gender any more than I have to fear rules about race or age or creed. In your holy name we pray. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions.
Music by Kevin McLeod. Our next question will be, whether there is any one correct style of a ritual, including communion. Thanks for listening.